Uh, so, you know, Andrew, both of us are Simpsonsmen. Yeah. Um, most of, like, 30% of my brain is just a base coat of Simpsons-related, like, uh, ideas or jokes or, hey, remember that time on The Simpsons that this thing happened? That's that's taken up a good 30%, if not more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good chunk of my brain. If anytime I, like, have to learn something new for work i have to i i I can do it i I have to literally choose what simpsons joke to lose from my brain yeah you know i tell you the ones that i've picked last time but i don't remember them (laughs) that's uh so sarah is not as familiar with the simpsons and so yesterday we were hanging out and i was like what 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 are we gonna do we want to do some other stuff but we're gonna eat so we got like 20 minutes or so hey let's watch a classic simpsons so I put on Marge versus the monorail. Obviously, uh-huh. that's a classic. Is there a chance the track could bend? Not on my life, my Caucasian friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then it just, we were doing other stuff, but it, it just kept playing. So I put on Itchy and Scratchy Land, which is maybe in my top three Simpsons episodes of all time. It's uh, a very good episode. When you get to hell, tell them Itchy sent you. Uh, <laughs> Remember, we're in the itchy lot. I say that, like, all the time. That's mine, too, yeah. I'm obnoxious to be around. Yeah, I'm a, it's a real problem. I'm surprised I found someone. A uh, lot of, like, <laughs> what does that mean? What do you mean the itchy lot? Oh, it's a, you know, it's, yeah. even, it's, it's a throwaway line from the Simpsons episode oh. from 25 years ago. So they're going through the the um, characters that were retired from uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land, and they're like, Here's Angry Ant, Disgruntled Goat, Ku Klux Klam. And, uh, <laughs> I forgot about Ku Klux Klan. And Lisa goes, oh yeah, I remember. Those guys weren't that funny. And Bart just goes, I don't know, Disgruntled Goat had his moments. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's no way to prove that. It's not canon within the show. You've never seen this character. You'll yeah. never see him again. It's just, in theory, he was funny uh, sometimes. Yeah, you know? I... I... I'm officially a fan of disgruntled goat. Uh, yeah. He's better than manic mailman. Yeah, that's. Uh, but the the joke I wanted to bring up to you is the one where Reverend Lovejoy's daughter comes back to town, and Bart tries to impress her by being good, and then it turns out that she's actually she's terrible. Yeah, yeah, she's worse than Bart, and she steals money from the church collection, and they blame it on Bart, and. Uh, he leaves the house one morning and everyone in the town is booing him. And one person from their lawn yells, criminal. And someone else goes, thief. And then a person driving by goes, you stole money from the trick collection plate. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it just gets further away as the car drives by that. And I couldn't contain it. And I told Sarah, like, that's why everything I think I understand about comedy or that I find funny has some kind of basis in the Simpsons. Because that is that is such a good joke <laughs> to have, like, and it's the rule of three for comedy. I'm sure it's, like, it's very foundationally a good joke, but that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, like, they're so disgruntled that they, they don't even have, like, a thing to say. They just, yeah. they just say what you did to you. I saw today on Twitter, uh, somebody was like... This scene is a good example why Prime Simpsons has has either has a special place in my heart or something like that. Yeah. And it's uh, Fat Tony. Uh, Homer had just done a, a – I can't remember what Homer did for Fat Tony. I can't even remember what episode this is from. But 
Fat Tony's talking to Homer, and he's like, "And now, oh no, the 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 mob did Homer a favor." And yeah. Fat Tony's like, "And now you're gonna," <laughs> and fucking Homer goes, "Wait, so you're telling me the mob only did something for me so they could get something in return? For shame, Fat Tony." <laughs> For shame. And Fat Tony's outside. It just cuts. And Fat Tony's outside, standing there by himself in an, in like a little alley place, just standing there, just looking down, sulking, just completely just ashamed of himself. And he goes, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> well, there should be, if I remember right, there's a part after he goes, for shame, Fat Tony. Fat Tony goes, you're right. I'll leave. And he just leaves the bathroom. <laughs> And then he's in the alley and he realizes Homer uh, put he's one been, over on him. He's been had, yeah. I believe that's the episode where Marge uh, puts her money into the pretzel <laughs> business. Oh, is that that and, one? I haven't yeah, seen that one in a long time. They blow up the falafel stand and then uh, <laughs> Fat Tony won't do the favor. So then they, they had the big fight in the yard. It was like uh, with the Yakuza. The other ladies hired the Japanese yakuza to fight Fat Tony's people. I gotta, I gotta watch it again. I haven't, I haven't seen that one in a very long time. That's a quality episode. <laughs> she, uh, all of Cletus's <laughs> kids. He he calls all of his kids onto the front porch because he's gonna use fr- a free coupon. Oh, that's that one. Okay, everyone. yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Th- I remember that gag for yeah, sure. She goes, "I should have put one per customer. Shoulda, woulda, coulda." <laughs> and then he just starts <laughs> roll calling all of his kids out, outside. Oh, and, that's uh, a good one. Uh, also, I call the big one bitey. It's obviously <laughs> the all time greatest jokes. I called him, yeah, and it, the Fat Tony thing made me uh, think of uh, when Chief Wiggum's in the bar with the with. I think he's in a bar. Is he in a bar in the in the in the, in the police station where he's got a he's got a speaker next to him and he's listening in on somebody's wearing a wire, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you hear uh, Fat Tony talking and uh, talking about illegal stuff, obviously, and he goes, uh, "Who? I think it's is it." I can't remember who's in there with, with Wiggum. It might be Homer where he's like, is that Fat Tony? And he goes, I don't know. Let's figure out. He goes, Fat Tony, is that you, Fat Tony? And brings up the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Fat Tony goes, what's that? And you hear, this guy's wearing a wire. And the guy just gets shot up with Tommy guns immediately. Oh, oh uh, man. okay. So last one, because obviously this is what happens. It devolves into, <laughs> have you heard? <laughs> Uh, one of the monorail jokes that I'd forgotten about is the Chief Wiggum and Mayor Quimby are arguing over who uh, who's in charge whenever the monorail goes off, like starts going crazy, and it's a town emergency. And he go, uh, Chief Wiggum goes, "I got pictures of you, Quimby." And he goes, "That could be anyone's ass." <laughs> <laughs> and they, they go to the, they go to read the town charter. And uh, Chief Wiggum's like, hey, it says as Chief Constable, I get a pig every month and two comely lasses of virtue true. And uh, Quimby goes, move over. How many broads do I get? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and then, it's such a good joke. I love I love Mayor, I love Mayor Quimby. I love that he's just clearly an uh, exaggerated John F. Kennedy yep. um, impression. He's just, anyway, if you, for the uninitiated... Watch the fucking Simpsons. At least seasons uh, like two through like thirteen. 
watch all I, of that and watch it like four, six times. <laughs> season four has Marge versus the monorail. That's a whole bunch of banger episodes in a row. Season six has itchy and scratchy land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just top shelf stuff. Oh, that so. chunk that, that era. I mean, we've probably said it a hundred times, but that era it's, it's the best television of all time. It's, it's yeah. evergreen. And just loaded with jokes, like so many jokes, so many bits. Uh, <laughs> You still waiting for the church? You still waiting for the church collection plate? <laughs> still the, the escalator that leads to nowhere, and it's just, it's just. Uh, oh yeah, the other things that the town invested money in. Yeah, it's just like four or five seconds of every person who gets to the top going. Huh. <laughs> 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 Wait, the popsicle, uh, the popsicle skyscraper, and then the fifty foot magnifying glass that sets the skyscraper on fire and then the escalator to nowhere um that's this that's the monorail episode right yeah that's the same one yeah um oh you know you know what my favorite joke in the monorail episode before we you sure think there's a uh so they're trying to figure out what they're gonna spend this money on uh so it's money that like mr burns was putting was it is this mr burns putting uh radioactive barrels into trees yes and the the, the the squirrel the squirrel with the laser eyes takes an acorn off of a tree. Yeah. Um. So they're trying to figure out what to do with the money, and Marge, practical ass Marge, is like, "Hey, why don't we use it to fix Main Street? The potholes are getting pretty bad." Uh, yeah. And what did she she said something because people are leaving the chains on their on their uh, on their cars and uh, overloading the weight capacity or something, yeah. and it's it cuts to Homer. <laughs> With chains on his car and a grand piano on top of his car, and he's yeah. and he's just tearing up the road driving down the street, and then uh, the uh, the hey fatty, I got a yeah. movie for you, a fridge too far. That guy <laughs> is driving a is driving a popcorn truck, yeah. and he is dri- driving down the street, and his popcorn truck goes straight, it falls into a giant pothole, like a yeah. like a thirty foot wide hole pothole and he just goes and then a bunch of popcorn (laughs) pop fills the entire pothole oh man what a what a visual Uh, gag oh dang okay this is the last one on my side i promise the episode with uh the the daughter uh with reverend lovejoy's daughter they're gonna bomb the biggest hill in springfield on their um on their skateboards and she, they're at the very top, and Bart's like, I don't think that I can do this. And she's like, Oh, you can't trust your perception from this height. And she pushes him down. So he's like flying down this hill. And he's like, Actually, if the road maintains its conditions, uh, I think I can pull it off. And then there's an oil tanker that's uh, knocked over, and there's oil on the road. And so he's slipping all over the place, but he still makes it. And then he looks ahead, and there's a ball bearings truck that's knocked over, <laughs> and there's just ball bearings all over the road. And he still is okay. And then he looks ahead and there's a glue truck that's knocked over. And he's like, oh, thank God, the glue will slow me down. And then they cut to the two guys that were driving the glue truck. And he goes, uh, "And he goes, you think the glue's going to come out of that thing? And he goes, no, nah, ain't no glue coming out of this. And he just <laughs> flies right past it. So <laughs> then he wrecks. And then, the, and then you hear it in the background. Oh, there goes the glue, and, the, <laughs> and it just completely covers Bart as he's after he crashes. Oh man, that's fantastic. 
and, and again, rule of three for comedy. And just the guy going, you expect it. And then the, there's no glue coming out of this tipped over thing. And he goes, uh, you think the glue is going to come out? And he goes, nah, ain't no glue coming out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, something with uh, far less jokes or something that was a complete joke. How about that? Uh, that is true. A farce. Co- <laughs> farce on all levels. Uh, <laughs> let's drop that theme song, Andrew. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Snarkworks, everybody. We're a wrestling retrospective podcast out of the Central Valley of California. My name's Andrew. That's Dusty. We're buddies. Uh, we have a podcast. And uh, the also only the ones. Social- yeah, we're the only <laughs> ones that have a podcast. We're the only ones that have ever had this idea. Um, yeah. Pioneers, Dusty. Uh, <laughs> follow us on the socials at SnarkmarksPod on Instagram and Twitter. Dusty's at SnarkmarkD on Twitter. We also have a Facebook Suck It. And then uh, listen to our back catalog of episodes they're awesome uh, our very first episode is a primer on um who we are as friends and how we met each other and what we know about wrestling and dusty's history and wrestling and a little bit about the beginning of wrestling and how all this stuff works like the territories and all that shit it's pretty cool listen to our booking shows they're awesome uh we have uh two uh, uh awesome wrestling promotions I'll, i always want to say competing but we're not competing no you know what i mean we're trying to lift each other up you know yeah like josh groban so yeah uh, we've got we've got two uh, organizations and uh, they're they're awesome. They're better than any shit going now. I can tell you that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this is our third deep dive. Listen to our previous two. The first one was 1997 in wrestling. The second one was Vince Russo's bitch ass. And this one is the invasion angle, which is uh, crazy crazy Vince, crazy ass Vince bought WCW. Off of billionaire Ted's ass for uh, a huge, huge discount because they yeah. stunk, and uh, he started off with a victory lap at the beginning of all this, kind of rubbing everybody's faces in it, and then he just gave his wrestling promotion to WCW, just gave it to him, just here, turn it into you, you failed wrestling promotion that nobody wanted to watch. Just turn my biggest promotion in the world that made me a billion dollars into your shitty product that you made. Huh? Isn't that a good idea? I was waiting for you to talk so I could interrupt you by saying that. (laughs) Well, it's, I wish I had, uh, something that I could use to refute, uh, what you're, what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's, this is the last episode uh, because we have reached the Survivor Series, and I can't imagine that whenever they bought WCW, they thought, oh yeah, the most we could squeeze out of this angle is six months. Um, that seems unlikely. Yeah, but I talked to you, I, I don't like the whole, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, it's weird to me when they're like, hey, it's April, I, want, I know what I want to do at next WrestleMania, and my entire year is just going to be this. 
unless this i know this that's like a classic way to do things but unless the main thing is like awesome and like easy to write a lot of different stories in it gets so stale like wwde does this all the time we talk about how like when we get together for pay-per-views sometimes it's like it's the same card for like three months they just cycle it out you know what i mean yeah, I think that has way more to do with the fact that they had so many pay-per-views. They have so many more now than they used to, and it's like every month you have to build something, you know, or or give an idea that you built something so that you can sell another pay-per-view. Um, like, I think the, the high watermark that people talk about for... Uh, that type of booking where you reverse engineer. Like, at WrestleMania 4, they knew what they wanted the WrestleMania 5 main event to be. Yeah. Right? Which is uh, Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. And both guys at WrestleMania 4 are baby faces. So how do we switch Savage in the next year to make him a heel that people will want Hulk Hogan to defeat? And that is set in stone. I think the other things, like, are less... Like, they don't run... the. It doesn't run the same sort of way. Yeah, uh, I I think you know. I think it's it's probably a good idea to write that way where where you know specifically something like that but when you don't then match them up in May of the year before and right. then just just ride that shit until April. You know what I mean? Like and I don't see how you can make an invasion last a year. I really don't. So I just think it was – I honestly think it was a bad idea, for, even if they would have gotten the good well, guys. I don't see how you make it last a year. At the end of this podcast, I will pitch to you my idea of how I think you could do the invasion with the people that you have plus one guy. So and, Okay. Okay. I have I have a little bit of an idea on my end, but I, I didn't get too detailed yet uh, because, frankly, I thought about it when I was in the shower right now. And I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, we said we were going to do that. So <laughs> – um, I don't have a super detailed plan. Like I don't have a month by month breakdown. No, I have a no yeah, yeah. idea of okay. what I would do. So, um, I'll pitch it to you. See how you feel about it. Okay. We'll see. Um, but first there is the matter of the survivor series. Andrew Dusty's favorite pay-per-view when he was a child. Uh, I'm talking third person. Though? Yeah. All right, cool. don't. Uh, don't worry about it. Do you smell right. what Dusty's cooking? That is true. Yeah. I do. Uh, so we are at Survivor Series. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a whole batch of collard greens. <laughs> uh, we, we are at Survivor Series 2001 live, November the 18th, uh, at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina. The attendance for this show was 10,142 people, and this show did a pretty decent buy rate. There was uh, 450,000 buy rate for this show which is pretty much in line with like the last few years of survivor series the 2000 survivor series did 400,000 buys uh the 99 did 448 and the 98 uh which people will recall is a deadly game a deadly uh, game <laughs> did 478,000 buys so like it's not it's not great, but it's mostly in line with what you get for Survivor Series. And it is up from, like, they were on a downward trend with pay-per-views. Yeah. They rebounded a little bit, maybe because this was, like, the, the blow-off. Um, and because it's Survivor Series and people like Survivor Series. Uh, yeah. It's a really good name for a pay-per-view, by the way, Survivor Series. Yeah, the um, alliteration is very nice. 
I don't understand. Well, I do understand. But have you seen the poster for Survivor Series 2001? Yes. With Tori and Lita? It's just Tori and Lita. You are having <laughs> a, let's see, one, a way too many people tag match. Ten people. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten person tag match for the survival of your company. Yeah, the literal Survivor Series. It is the literal Survival Series. Yeah. Your your company will disband. It's the you're 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 billing this as the most important match in the history of professional wrestling. Jr. says that. Yeah. And but you make not, a poster. He is not known for hyperbole. So. No, never. No. He's broken in half. Uh, <laughs> as God is my witness. Uh, you so you have the biggest match ever. Yeah. Don't you think if it was the biggest match ever? Yeah. Probably be the poster. The poster would probably have something to do with the match. Well, I think that this is also because they had to scrap, like they had to conclude this storyline that I don't think they wanted to conclude. And you have to submit all the pay-per-view like uh, stuff months in advance, like the poster designs and all that stuff back then. Because the December pay-per-view has Triple H on the cover of it. And uh, he has a torn quad, so he's not around. So uh, I don't know how quickly they could have fixed it, but I don't think five-on-five elimination for the future of either company was what they thought they were going to do for Survivor Series. I I really think they thought they could get to WrestleMania. Two things. One, that makes more sense. No, three things. One that makes more sense. Two, change the poster. Like I don't care if it's like I'll read it in three months. Change the poster. You, yeah. it's the biggest match of all time. You're saying, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I forgot what number three was. So you know what I mean. Two good points though. Yeah, yeah I, I should have uh, just said two. I, I I changed it to three and forgot what three was. Well, I also like the. I could be wrong because the tagline here is "Winner takes all." Three. But I guess. <laughs> just remembered. Okay. You ain't making this WrestleMania. <laughs> you just aren't. This. What yeah. is this? This is November, December, January, February, March, April. Five more months. You thought you were gonna squeeze five more months out of this horse shit? Well, I. Again, I don't think. I don't think they thought it was gonna be horseshit. I think they thought that they could do it. I like, guess, man. I told Vince's hubris <laughs> knows know. no end. Ah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the open video package here I enjoyed, um, even though it uses the end by the doors, which is kind of hack at this point for the end of something. Listen, it uh, is the end for the record. It is, In their defense, it is the, it end. Is the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is potentially the end would probably be better, but, uh, they buy, uh, buy, uh, uh, Hoopastank. <laughs> Yeah, potentially the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys haven't heard uh, that Hoopa Stank deep cut. Well, it's better than Drowning Pool, which we also hear on this show again. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, because as Drowning Pool says, "Let the bodies hit the floor." Yeah. Uh, this is the fifteenth annual Survivor Series. That is true. <laughs> and we open with classic Invasion versus WWE, uh, a clash for the ages. Christian, uh, who is the European champion, taking on Al Snow. You know, that old rivalry. 
Hell yeah, Al Snow. Uh, Al <laughs> Snow without head. I miss him. Uh, Paul uh, Paul E. I got to give it to him. Yeah. He's getting better as a heel announcer. I think this was his best show that we've seen. Um, and uh, this is his last show as a heel announcer. It so. is. I know. It was a. It was a, him and Jr.'s uh, hatred towards each other. Uh, it's finally was finally boiled over. Yeah. It was fun during this show. Uh, uh, I can't remember what Heyman said. Like, like uh, something like, uh, if I if I may speak for myself, this has been excruciating or something like that. Like he hated yeah. working with Heyman with. Uh, with Jeff, uh, Jim Ross, Jeff Ross. I would hate working with Jeff Ross. Roastmaster, son of a bitch. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, Al Snow without head. I miss him. I miss head. Uh, yeah, did I ever tell you why that happened? Um, yeah. The <laughs> Walmart, a lady at Walmart thought that it was a the severed head of a woman. And yeah. so she complained and he had to completely redo his, uh, his show or his whole gimmick. So... Uh, yeah, I thought this match was fine. Uh, Christian hits the unprettier for the win at six minutes and 30 seconds. And this got two and three quarter stars. It's just like, now they're just doing matches and they've done so much like heel turning and face turning between the WWE guys to the Alliance that it's hard to really Cause like Christian is not a WCW <laughs> or ECW guy. He's just in the alliance now. They're not even presenting it as WCW anymore. Like it's just straight up the alliance now, yeah. um, because they realized, <laughs> oh shit, these guys, especially after we buried the best one of them, <laughs> yeah, as a sex criminal, uh, the rest of these guys aren't going to carry this. Like, uh, you know, Lex Luger ain't walking through them doors anytime soon. Right. You know, yeah. And when uh, you're praying for when you're praying for 2001 Lex Luger, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> you're, it's a tough spot. Yeah. Um, so this was like this was good in a completely technical way for six minutes, but like this is a harbinger of things to come for the show. I feel like uh, Stone Cold and Deborah show up late, and they are at odds with the Alliance. So they're continuing like. Steve Austin turned on the WWE five months ago, and now the, all the Alliance guys are like, oh, I don't know, can we trust <laughs> Stone Cold here? Uh, yep. Denim shorts in a big spot for Steve Austin. He doesn't just wear them for show. He's coming into the building in the denim shorts. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, what's he going to wear? Fucking, He's ready to fight, dude. This yeah. guy only fights in denim shorts. <laughs> I also like that he goes, uh, he's talking about everything, and he goes, don't look at me like that, Booker T. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's his name uh yeah. i love uh kurt angle during this because uh, they're like they're like uh you smiled at vince and kurt angle's like in his face by the way kurt angle joined the alliance just yeah. and fucking dusty Rhodes has joined the nwo and <laughs> scott steiner's joined the nwo yeah. and fucking uh, so uh but angle is like real he's the closest one he does the best work in this because he's kurt angle he's yeah. the closest one to austin and he's like standing there with his arms down and um Stephanie's like, we saw you smile at Vince, and uh, and Angle goes, yep, smiled right at him, right at his face, <laughs> like looking at him. And then as they as they keep doing it, uh, as, as Austin's like being kind of shady and weird, uh, Angle looks Angle looks at Shane and goes, you know what, Shane, maybe I should be the leader of the Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love like crony ass Kurt Angle. He's the best. Um, then Vince and Linda show up in the back and man, could there be, 
a more charismatic man than Vince McMahon married to a least charismatic person <laughs> as Linda McMahon. Because uh, she's like, I don't know, Vince. It's uh, it's pretty crazy to put the whole company on the line. And Vince is like, I'm a, I'm the ultimate hustler. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rambling. I'm gambling. Uh, I'm out here. She's she, so Linda McMahon is the 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 woman that lives in your town that has a nice old like old like nineteen early nineteen hundreds house, yeah. with all these like decorative chairs that you don't even know if you can sit on. They're not comfortable at all. They've got those weird like rivets in them, and uh, she's 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 got a shitty old like box TV, and she she eats like white bread sandwiches cut diagonally. Uh, mm-hmm. but like they're like egg salad, so she she can like chew them because there's you know this lady I'm talking about. She's got a church think- lady haircut. I mean, I've been to Pentecostal churches most of my life. I'm exactly. With this she lady. she yeah. drives a she drives a white Oldsmobile from like '87. Like <laughs> yeah. it's in pristine shape, but it, it only has like sixty thousand miles on it or something like that. And she really is concerned about like people touching the Oldsmobile. Like it's gonna depreciate the value. Yeah. 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 I don't um, know, man. I've I've. I'm not too much on the Facebook. I know, sweetie. Yeah. I know you're not. Yeah, that's Linda McMahon. And yeah. uh, Vince is Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, Vince is just cocaine, steroided out Vince McMahon. Uh, so Vince talks about how he takes calculated risks in his career, and he has an ace in the hole. Uh, and then William Regal shows up and says that the WWF is going to get embarrassed tonight, just like he's going to embarrass... To Jerry later on. By the way, and he like gets real in Vince and Linda's face for this. By the way, William Regal has now joined the Alliance. Uh, yes, he is the Alliance Commissioner. Uh, tonight, <laughs> Heyman pitches to the sponsors and he goes, "Tonight's final WWF pay per view is being presented by Xbox." Yeah, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Yeah, and one of his first lines of the whole thing was, "Welcome to the last <laughs> WWF pay per view of all." T-. Is perfect. It's good. Yeah. You that's the stuff you got to do and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he, I think he really yeah. did his job in this pay per view, and he didn't talk too much, which is good. Yeah, and he cut a hell of a promo. Uh, if anybody ever wants to look it up on Vince on the SmackDown before the Survivor Series, where he tells this uh, awesome story about they were like, "Hey, if you want somebody to cut a shoot promo on you, Paul Heyman, Paul will do it." You know, and they're like, "Okay, well, you want to cut a promo on me?" And and Heyman's like, "Do you?" do you want me to cut a promo on you? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, sell, sell me tickets, draw me money. And he's like, well, all right. And so he's, he like sets this whole thing up and then he, he goes, you really don't. He says, he's talking to Vince and he goes, you really don't want to know what I'm going to say out there. He goes, no, draw me money. Like, all right. And so he goes out there and he talks about Vince's dad and nobody brings up Vince's dad to Vince. And he talks about how he's put all the territories out of business and that he's flown so high for so long, but now the chickens are coming home to roost, and it's his own kids who are going to, you know, finally do to him what he did to everyone else, including Paul Heyman. It's a great promo. Yeah, but Vince probably doesn't care because it's all true except for him getting his comeuppance. He won. Yeah. He fucking <laughs> yeah. suck it. I fucking crushed y'all. You work for me, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. He drew Vince money, which is <laughs> yeah. No. The, you can say whatever you want. You can't hurt my feelings. You That's the. That's the uh, the uh, easy E. Uh, when you're talking about spraying me, the same records that you're making is paying me. <laughs> Motherfuck yeah. Dre, motherfuck Snoop. Yeah, because uh, Dre Day meant Easy's payday. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, William Regal beats up Tori Wilson on SmackDown because it's still 2001. Dude, they're uh, steady beating up women. Yeah. Uh, and then William Regal faces Tajiri, who is currently the light heavyweight champion. 
Uh, normally, my note is Tajiri rules, but he does not rule in this match because it's over in two minutes and 59 seconds, and William Regal just beats the dog shit out of him. <laughs> like, I wonder if any of if it had to do with the fact that three seconds into this match, Tajiri kicks Re- William Regal clean in the face and <laughs> and bloodies his nose immediately. <laughs> like, hey, Don't fuck with Tajiri, dude. <laughs> Dude, it was it was a problem. Like, yeah. so I can't. Remember. They had a couple like you know uh, kicks or elbows or whatever at the beginning, and then they separate. And Regal starts walking towards him, and he throws like a roundhouse wheel kick and gets him right on the crown of the nose. Yeah. As because Regal tried to like turn and have it like deflect, kind of how you do, and it just I guess it just wrapped around and just he was bleeding immediately from his nose. Yeah. Um, oh bloody hell! So, uh. Regal hits a double underhook powerbomb for the win, which is like a sort of anticlimactic, kind of came out of nowhere. And then Regal comes back and hits another powerbomb on Tajiri. <laughs> and then it. Tori Wilson comes out, and I'm like, well, surely Tajiri is going to get up and like spray the mist at him or whatever. Nope, just powerbombs Tori <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> They get they get nothing. It was kind uh, of a filthy powerbomb on Tori, too. Like yeah, I think... I think she's too light. Uh, that was my guess was that like whenever he went to pick her up, like if she helps, he's probably not used to somebody being that light that he has to like pick up and throw. Oh you yeah. Know? And, and so I guarantee he to, like, he's not to catch her and she doesn't know how to take any bumps. Anyway. And I guarantee he's trying to control it down a little bit more than he normally does. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like <laughs> he hits the power bomb. He finishes the match. He comes back. He hits the, he hits the second power bomb. I thought, when he came, like, as soon as he turned around and started to come back, I'm like, oh, here comes the mist. Like, he's going to come yeah. back. He's going to, you know, he's going to get, as soon as he gets close to him, Tajiri's going to miss him in the face, and it's going to be cool, and then he's going to be all, you know, uh, embarrassed yeah. and British. But, no, just powerbomb. <laughs> yeah, just powerbombed a woman and then left without repercussion. Uh, one thing that Tajiri did do was uh, one of the coolest uh, tarantulas I've seen. Yeah, the transition to the tarantula here was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and he's always going to hit that fucking springboard elbow, which I'm totally cool with because it looks awesome. He always every should time hit that it. springboard elbow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this got a star and a half, and it got me to thinking, I think Tajiri might have the most, the highest star ratings for the shortest matches that he's in. You know, because he had that match with Rhino that was like less than five minutes that got three stars. Yeah, that is uh, true. We should do a stars per minute. Yeah, the he's his total time in the ring versus the total stars he's got are uh, disproportionate. Yeah, which is nice for him. Uh, Economical. Yeah, he's he knows what he's doing. Like you know? like Conor McGregor would say, he is efficient with his energy. Yeah. <laughs> what accent was that? That was uh, that, that was the George Saint Pierre accent. It felt like. Well, listen, I don't do good Irish Irish accent. Okay, uh-huh. but. That's not. I've tried to think how George St. Pierre would say efficient with his efficient. It's very close. Efficient yeah. with, yeah, it's very close. <laughs> dinosaurs, Again, the violence dinosaurs. of the octagon. Women, dinosaurs, dinosaurs, and the violence of the octagon. <laughs> so, next we get a backstage promo with a Test who beat Edge for the Intercontinental title. Then Edge beat Kurt Angle for the U.S. title, and then Mick Foley makes a unification match because Mick is the commissioner of the WWF. So Test is not a big Test guy. Who's that? I'm not a big Test guy. No, we talked about it last week. I think like he's he's fine 
as a creative wrestler. Like he has a lot of cool moves. It would be like, you know, whenever you, you make up a wrestler on a video game or whatever, you give them all the best moves. He's yeah. got the Stone Cold Stunner and the Rock Bottom. And, and you make pedigree. him like 6'8". Yeah, and he just, like, he stinks. He's ed- I have a note here. He's the edge that you get off a of wish, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. edge light. Cause, right. uh, so he's in the back getting all oiled up, and then Stacy comes in, and they flirt, and it's gross. Um, but apparently it has it some gross. sort of has some sort of like a reason because then edge cuts a promo basically saying that he and uh, that he and test are the same, which is what I said, except that he sucks at getting chicks, bro. He's been dumped by every woman on the planet, every chick on the planet, dude. Yeah. So and let lover boy title holder edge. So he's got, a, he's got a reason to say what he's saying. Yeah. If he's uh if anyone's an expert, it's edge. It's the so. Idell wrestling federation trademark uh, lover boy title holder. Yeah. Uh, so he said, "Hold on, you got to say his line." I don't. I don't think I made the note. He said. <laughs> he said that at the, uh, something like at the end of the match, uh, instead of delivering the big boot, Test is going to be saying, "I lost." What was that all about? <laughs> right, because they're well, they're both Canadian, so you know. Yeah, I guess so. And and yeah, Edge just he says that and gets a pop. He gets a pop yeah. from the crowd. Almost gets an applause break. It's like a, yeah, he, the he hottest goddamn a, crowd I've ever heard in my life. He also gets a pop whenever he says that uh Tess sucks with chicks. Everyone's like, Yay Yeah, he does. Even though he's like I think this is the time in which he is with Stacy Keebler. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's, that's that's some hard data right there, man. Yeah. That, <laughs> which sucks because uh, it's like, look at him. He's got the hardcore Holly upper lip, like He's just big. Yeah, he's big and he's got muscles, you know. I just, well, I just uh, wanna I just wanna be big, Dusty. Yeah. That's I need to go right. to a uh what is it? A what's the machine? Uh from the, re- big... the rebigulator. Oh yeah, that's from the oh. Simpsons. Some some sort of rebigulator, which is a concept so insane. <laughs> but uh <laughs> no, no from big. It's like a Zoltar machine or Oh yeah, the Zoltar. Zoltar, yeah. I need a I yeah. need a Zoltar machine. Uh uh, that might make you small, though. That might make you smaller. Why? Because I'm because I'm an adult. Yeah, I can. You know, I just want to be big. He. It, that's the weird thing he said. He didn't say I want to be old. Right. He said I want to be big. So and you're talking about like old. a like a nine foot ten year old. Be is funny. The, the premise for that. Movie. I, they should. You should make like a a four minute version of Big. Yeah. <laughs> Where. Uh, the kid goes, he goes to Zoltar. Is that what it is? Yeah. Zoltar machine? He puts the money in and he, he, he gets the thing out and he says, I want to be big. And he wakes up just like he woke up. He wakes up as, as Tom Hanks. And he goes, I didn't say I wanted to be old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> they should have called the movie Old. <laughs> well, I like the idea that uh, the, he wakes up the next morning and he's like 11 feet tall, but he's still 10. And he's just... <laughs> <laughs> Teased mercilessly and uh, has giant has organs too small to run his body now. You know they're they're just that that would be like pitchfork season. Yeah, you know uh, yeah the kids would beat the shit out of you if you were that the biggest the biggest guy when I was in elementary school just always just like I saw I I have it burned into my brain just watching him walking like at recess because he's like a he's like a gentle giant he's like a nerd yeah. guy and he's walking he's huge and these kids are just like just punching him like in the body as he's walking <laughs> he's just like trying to swat him away like mosquitoes <laughs> yeah well because you're like 
you don't have control of your like you're big but you don't have dexterity you know well like, also you, you, not all it, of the stuff comes together at the same time you know yeah well yeah usually they're not very coordinated but also yeah. like there you're so much bigger than me that if you beat me up you're an asshole <laughs> so i can do whatever i want right and you you just aren't allowed to beat me up yeah. It's a real Gulliver's Travel situation. Yeah. They'll tie you tie you to a bed. I can't stop. I can't stop laughing thinking of I didn't. I didn't ask to be old. <laughs> now I have to have a job. God damn it! I gotta go to work. Uh, so this is a unification match for the U.S. and IC titles. Um, I thought that this match was pretty good. Um, I. I don't think it was great. Uh, Test keeps getting really good star ratings because Edge wins this match with a roll-up out of a full Nelson slam to unify the titles in 11 minutes and 17 seconds, and this got three and a half stars. Nice. uh, Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I might be generous, but it was was good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, There were a couple of really good near falls. Test hits a uh, spear at one point that was good. Test is a, like... He's, he can he can he can wrestle, like he's, he's, he is a competent wrestler. Yeah, I just like he's just kind of white bread to me. But uh, yeah. this yeah, this was good, and I love Edge, you know. So yeah, uh, there's a part in this match where Test is trying to superplex Edge, and Jim Ross goes, uh, and Edge gets away, and he just goes, Edge doesn't want to be superplexed. Who would? <laughs> That's his. That's a good point. Yeah, it is, it is a good point. Solid analysis. Uh, backstage, Kurt Angle, who in parentheses I put is in the Alliance, by the way, uh, and Stephanie <laughs> yeah. are talking, and Stephanie is being super whiny here. It talks about if they lose, she's got to become a regular person. So she's got to shop for her own clothes. She's got to wash her own dishes. She has to like cook her own meals. There's there's she, one guy in the in the crowd you can hear one guy like when when she uh, the guy's like oh, okay. <laughs> 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 why don't you why don't you try working in the salt mine sweetheart <laughs> yeah the coal mines of north carolina yeah. uh so then kurt uh tells her not to worry because uh he's gonna make sure that they don't get screwed over and then we move to the unification match for the tag team titles the hardys who are the wcw tag team champions are taking on the dudleys who are the wwf tag team champions with stacy keebler in a steel cage match to unify the titles. Um, backstage, Lita is trying to confide in Jeff that Matt is acting weird. And Matt's like, why wouldn't I be acting weird? If we lose, then we're out of fucking jobs, bro. Uh, also, that long-legged blonde woman keeps trying to have sex with me. And <laughs> I love you, Lita. Yeah. But God damn uh, it. And then they show backstage that, or they show uh, that on SmackDown, Matt got distracted, I believe, by Stacy, and that of course leads to Lita eating a 3D. <laughs> Dude, she got 3D hard, bro. Yeah. Uh, well, Stacy falls off the apron, and Matt catches her. Oh, that's what happened, right? Like, like, uh, like Andre catches that girl in uh, Princess Bride, and yeah. yeah, and then Lita's like, "What the fuck?" And then she's in a 3D. She's getting 3D. Hi, <laughs> listen. Uh, Listen, I laugh every time a woman gets 3D'd. I, for, it is just because it's in a, it's a story. Like, it's not like, you know, how, how many, how many, cause you, you know, people get, a, how many domestic violence situations involve the woman getting 3D'd? You know what I mean? Like, zero. This is not real life. Sure. It's, 
<laughs> well, and just the idea that they're like, Lita's in the ring. Anybody that's in the ring can catch a 3D whenever they want. Listen, watch your ass. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, one thing that's bothered me the entire invasion. Why the fuck is Jeff Hardy wearing this hat all the time? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> yeah, it looks no, stupid. It looks you can't stupid. listen away. It it's a stupid. wrestling match, bro. What's the hat going to do? He's always wearing it when the match starts. And then it gets knocked off, and then the referee has to move it so no one slips and gets paralyzed in the ring. Well, it's like a horseshit Undertaker's bandini. You know what I mean? Like, what's that gonna do? Fucking uh, yeah. <laughs> Paul Heyman! As soon as as soon as the Hardys get in the in the ring, Heyman goes, "Why does that guy have blue hair?" <laughs> as if Heyman wasn't the promoter of ECW, I know. Where, the, where the Sandman was the champion. At least he had regular hair. You know, but he's he's got a tattoo of his own face on his arm, and it's upside down. Yeah, it's upside down, so it's it's right side up when his hands in the air. Yeah, that man God has foresight. It, man. Yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna introduce the Idell Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, the Misfit Hall of Fame, and yeah. uh, the inaugural class is pretty good. And uh, I'm adding the Sandman. The Sandman okay. is gonna be That's is true. gonna be one of one of my inductees in the first in the first class. Man, there's um, not going to be a lot of surprises if you're fans of the podcast, okay? Yeah. But <laughs> now not, they're If you're not a fan of the podcast, this is your first episode you've ever heard, I do it. You're going to have some questions. <laughs> yeah. But now they're like officially emblazoned in the Hall of Fame, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh this cage match is pretty good. I do have to say. Um of course, because it's the Hardys and the Dudleys, they've wrestled like a hundred times uh, between 2000 and 2001. Yeah, there are some there are some wrinkles to this that are really good. Um, the Bubba hits the Bubba bomb, which I know is a personal favorite of yours, off the top rope, which looked like it killed Jeff Hardy. <laughs> like he's down for a while after that move. Dude, Jeff just takes some fucking it's just insane bumps. Uh, yeah. He's 24 right here too, and. Yeah. Uh, it's just well, it's he's such a, a the, the thing that's, rough invasion, man. If he's not wrestling the Dudleys, he's wrestling Rob Van Dam. I know, and this is right after the TLC two as well. Yeah. It's like, but I always watch it, and I, you know, you feel bad if you're like, man, that's a 35 year old that's throwing his body like that. I was watching it as a 31 year old. I was watching it, going, man, you're 24, you got a painless body, like you're still invincible, and you're just gonna yeah. beat the fuck out of it. So you're you're 40 now. Like, wait till you're 40. Yeah. Wait till your body already hurts to do this. Yeah. Well, if you notice now in AEW, I don't know if you've seen Jeff since he's arrived. Um, when he hits the Swanton now, he lands on people. Oh like, yeah. Like if I, uh, a couple of weeks ago he did it to one of the dudes from Private Party, and he just straight up landed on that guy. Yeah, I yeah. saw. You did, I'm sure you saw Matt uh, mention it. Did you see Matt yeah. mention it? So he's like, he's basically being like, I'm not going to tell you guys that this is fake, <laughs> but. <laughs> He's he said he's Jeff is finally protecting himself in the Swanton and I'm so glad or whatever because yeah. before you roll off the guy and that slams both feet into the ground which just probably destroys your hips like it just both hip sockets are getting shoved up into your ass you know what I mean yeah so uh yeah man <laughs> yeah but it sucks that his signature move is one that now if he does it hurts the other guy <laughs> like. But he can't not do it. People want to see the swanton. You got to see the swanton. So, you can't not do yeah. the swanton. Uh, so in this match, it is uh, as we talked about. There's a loophole here. The you can win by pin or escape, and 
there's a part in this match where Matt eventually escapes and then Jeff's just left in the ring with both Dudley boys, which is a terrible strategy. Well, I mean, we've talked about this. That's that's the that's the the hole in this whole thing is like, yeah. why would you try to escape and just leave your partner in there to get? Because you can win by pinfall. So as soon as you right. leave, just double team the fucking the one guy in there and you, you pin him. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, then Jeff gets to the top and can escape, but uh, damn it, if Stacy didn't distract Nick Patrick by flirting with him and got a table in the ring, so. Uh, he's got to jump on one of the. He's got to jump on Devon while well, he's, or maybe so Bubba. Devon, I think it's Bubba. It's Devon. Devon's okay. Devon's super hurt on the ground because Jeff Hardy uh swiftly beat the fuck out both the Hardy boys when when after Matt left, yeah. and then Jeff's escaping and Devon just like he's like oh fuck and he like slowly climbs onto the table, <laughs> and, which is what you do if you're trying to rest, you know. <laughs> Ron Artest. Oh, man, it's the same I know thing. that is true. That yeah. is true. Ron Artest, he likes he, he likes to likes to rest on tables. Those, that always works out, huh? And then, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this was an ultimate, just a true when keeping it real goes wrong situation <laughs> because yeah. Jeff's finally he's on top of the thing. They've won the match. This is for the belts. <laughs> yeah, to unify, Jeff, be the be the unified champion. Yeah, Je- Jeff yeah. is on top of the cage. He turns around. He sees Devon just laying there on a table. He knows what he does when somebody's laying on a table like that. So he throws. The fucking sickest, per- most perfect swanton off the top of the uh, cage onto the table. And wouldn't you know it, Devon just rolls right off that table. And yeah. So he goes straight through the... This, the table doesn't slow Jeff down. No, it's like... If anything, it's just adding more like uh, mass that he has to go through. Like It's, it's not just, helping at all. It's just down. now there's metal. Now he's got to go through metal also. I wrote down Jeff Hardy is a maniac. Like, well, it's also like, I understand, but like you couldn't come up with a, with a finish to this match that doesn't involve Jeff Hardy trying to kill himself off the top of this cage. But the the thing is that that finish was written. So Jeff Hardy could kill himself. It wasn't like we want to do this finish. Oh man, that sucks. Jeff has to kill himself. They're like, how do we get Jeff to kill himself? Right. He should have said no. No, I will not swanton off the top because of this Because I like the idea that he can't turn down an opportunity to swanton <laughs> Devon through that table. I like yeah. it that like he because he's a because he's a, he's young and dumb, he goes for the big thing and loses the titles, you know. Right. But because uh yeah, uh Jeff of course he goes through it. He's dead and uh, he gets pinned very easily. It doesn't and, he, and then the the paramedics come out and this is how you know he's not hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah was like, is he really hurt? And then immediately after that, you see the paramedics just like yanking his body towards the door. And you're, well, if he had a real back injury, they're not going to move Jeff Hardy. Yeah, they don't they don't put him on a, they don't put him on a fucking uh stretcher. They don't put him on I can't remember what the stretcher that they use what the, what it's called, the the It's like board. a backboard. Yeah. yeah, they don't put him on the backboard. Uh, they don't they don't they don't put him on anything. They just grab him and fucking take him to the door because they couldn't because there's a cage there and you can't get right. it in. And then at the end, somebody's like, can we lift this cage? Like that would have been the thing to do if he was actually, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I like the finish as if it, you know, I, I don't like that it ends with Jeff Hardy, you know, doing what he does. But I mean, if we, if we eliminate every time he does that, we don't have Jeff Hardy. And I don't think even Jeff Hardy would do that. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, yeah, this, 
uh, just for housekeeping, the Dudleys win this match, which I had forgotten. I thought the Hardys ended up winning this match uh, in 15 minutes and 45 seconds, and this got three and a quarter stars. We didn't go over uh, many of the the spots in this match, but it's it was fun. It was good. To, it was a good cage match. Uh, I also like the Dudleys had a Doomsday device, which I thought looked cool. Yeah, it was good. How how uh, many did you say it was three and a quarter stars? Yeah, three and a quarter. So Edge versus Test was scored higher. Yes. Which what? didn't which didn't involve a swanton bomb off the top of the cage. Yeah, that ending itself should give you some, especially with Meltzer. He likes those big spots, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, who cares? That's that's that good. Also, dude, if WWF survives, I get to see him in Tulsa. I could go see him in Tulsa next Sunday. Tulsa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> After the Dusty and I have an inside joke about a Marilyn yeah. Manson show. My dad, my my brother went to. <laughs> In Tulsa. Uh, they show WWF's live events next, which sort of defeats the purpose of who's going to win the main event. I know it's like, well, in theory, it could not be WWF, but they're like, come on. We all know. Come see us in Tulsa. Yeah, come what are we going to do? Yeah. What do you, you think Vince is just going to be like, oh, you you won the match. This is yours. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we go to Mick Foley at WWF New York. And they're like, why are you there, Mick? Uh, whatever, it's super important. Who wins tonight? And he's like, I don't know. Vince told me to come here. Yeah. And if I talk to Vince tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a thing or two to say about it. The Toronto Raptors game's on the TV. I wanted to watch yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so uh, then backstage, Scotty Too Hottie is uh, getting ready for the Immunity Battle Royal. But then Test, that son of a bitch, <laughs> jumps him. And uh, takes his place. You can't. Yeah. He he yeah. gets he he gets his ass whooped in every dark match. Yeah. And he's the I, loser of Sunday Night Heat every single every invasion. every single invasion card. He's the loser in Sunday Night Heat. And I wrote I wrote hey it's Scotty and then he's immediately beat up by Test and like beat up bad and left yeah. left bloodied uh, in the hallway. Um, not a good showing for Scott. No. Too hot. Uh, Scott too hot. Uh, not doing well tonight. Scott Scotteth too hotteth. Uh, <laughs> had a bad night. The immunity battle royal is next, and oh man, are there a whole bunch of guys in this match that I do not care about? Um, it's just a hodgepodge of guys. Whoever wins can't be fired uh, from either side. And did you happen to take a notice of who's in this immunity battle royal, Andrew? I mean, all of them are just like DDP. No, DDP. As soon as I saw DDP in here, because I thought he he was injured. As yeah. soon as I saw him in here, I was like, oh, Andrew's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the one guy, the one guy yeah. you can do anything with. You're going to make him a sex criminal, and now he's in the immunity battle royal. And spoiler alert, he is <laughs> very early on eliminated Yep. Do you remember, do you remember who eliminates him, Dusty? Uh, I just have DDP gets thrown out. Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> uh, you got to start putting over the stars of the future, you know. He is eliminated by Chuck Palumbo. Yeah. Um. So this has a sort of internal uh, storyline aside from the immunity part, which is Taz, who's been ostracized from the alliance. Shows up and Heyman 
is not thrilled about it. And uh, you would think they'd do something because Jim Ross keeps going, what if Taz wins? Wouldn't that be crazy? You can't get rid of him, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets thrown out by Billy Gunn. So. <laughs> and he's like, fuck, fuck you, Heyman, as he leaves. Yeah. That's all it is. He doesn't do uh, shit. There's uh, one cool Taz spot. Taz looks in like this. he's like 5'3 when he's wrestling, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, they, the costume, they've got him in like mechanic uh, yeah, he looks he looks stupid, and I've talked about it. I don't like the uh, the long goatee that he went with. That's now like his thing. I know that's his yeah. like trademark. I don't I don't I th- I liked pre goatee Taz. His he looks like we said he looks like a Koopa. Like he's got no neck. Yeah, I just I miss the old Kanye. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so uh, there's one cool spot in this match where Kidman. Gets caught by Bradshaw, who eliminates him over the top rope with a fallaway slam from like almost center ring, and that looked really cool. Uh, and then we get down to Test, who eliminates Billy Gunn to win the battle royal because they really care about Test at this point. Goddamn, uh, they are shoving him down our throats. Yeah, uh, this got one star, and was seven minutes and forty seconds of the show. So. I was like, hey, it's Scotty Too Hotty. Test immediately beats the shit out of him. Hey, it's Diamond Dallas Page. Immediately thrown over the top rope by Chuck Palumbo. Yep. Hey, Test one. They barely even noticed. I mean, they barely even said it was. And then Perry Saturn was in this, and he's completely clean shaven. It looked fucking weird, to be honest. Uh, I was like, is that? And they were like, Perry Saturn's out of this. And I was like, holy shit. He's he's lost without Moppy, dude. Uh, uh, Just Incredibles in this, somehow. Came out of yeah. nowhere. Uh, Steven Richard. I still can't believe how much he aged in like three or four years. And being that uh, opposed to everything ages you, you know? Uh, that is true. You're I so guess. filled with rage all the time. Having to hang out with fucking ivory. But like, I guess you cut your hair and dye it black and you're just 40. Yeah. He went from well, being like, he looked like he was like 22. He looked like Matt Riddle. To like now he's forty. Yeah, he had like a uh, guy in Pearl Jam hair. Yeah. Beforehand, and then yeah, he cuts it all off. And but he was like right to censor was a big part of the WWE programming for like a year, and so he you know he had a pretty good mid card run as the mm-hmm. leader of that group. So you trade off the the brown locks, you know. Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll give it to him. You know what I mean. Um, we go backstage and Booker T and Shane are talking and Booker doesn't trust Austin, but Shane trusts Austin and, uh, intrigue, Andrew, who will be proven correct at the end of the night? Yeah. Um, the WWE is going to win this. <laughs> yeah. So then we get our six pack challenge to determine the new women's champion. We have Trish Stratus versus Lita versus Jackie versus Ivory versus Mighty Molly and uh, what seems to be a surprise entrance, Jazz, who has the worst fucking theme music. <laughs> Just because her name's Jazz doesn't mean you have her come out to smooth jazz. <laughs> no one's getting psyched when it's like... I don't like Ivory looking like just some garden variety diva from the early 2000s. I was like... I was like, who's this random creative woman? That's Ivory? Yeah, she's got to be in the right to censor costume. Like, that works for her 
so it's, much better. It's a hokey gimmick, but it's a gimmick. Like I, I, I think it works a lot. I think it works. Yeah, she definitely like falls through the cracks and just blends in uh, wearing the, what she was wearing in this match. Uh, and Trish can move. Like she started to get better. Because remember you, yeah. you you talked about how like we we watched a. Uh, uh, I can't remember what we watched. It was something where Trish fought or, or um, at a different time. And you're like, man, this is early Trish. She ended up being a pretty decent wrestler. And you can see that she's done some work here. Yeah, um, that was uh, WrestleMania 17 where she's slap fighting with Stephanie McMahon. Oh, yeah, she's slap fighting. All right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, Lita's the best. She's just the fucking best. She, she's yeah. got a nice moonsault off the uh, top rope on this one. Uh that they get out of the way with, uh, they get out of the way of. No, she lands it. Never mind, she hits it, huh? Yeah, she. she uh, yeah, she hits a it on Ivory for a near fall. Yeah, and then Jacqueline um, is just jacked always. Yeah, she's well. She she in the past heard how you treat her in the Idol Wrestling Federation. Looking, she's so just she's, looking over her shoulders for uh, for the Disco Inferno. You know what I mean? Uh. Yeah, this match, as we talked about in our preview last week, is four minutes and 35 seconds. That's less time than combatants in this match. So this gets one star. Trish hits the Stratisfaction Bulldog, which looked really good, on Ivory to pick up the win. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm glad it, at least it was short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then Vance is backstage giving a pep talk to his team. Uh, where if they lose, they will all be personally and professionally disgraced. And, and then, at, at first, they go ahead, keep going. Uh, well, and then he name drops a bunch of the WWF legends, Buddy Rogers, Gorilla Monsoon, and then he gets right in the Rock's face, and he's like, "Hi, Chief Peter Maivia." Just <laughs> <laughs> at at first, I didn't. I, I was like, "Man, I I didn't know how to feel about this," but it, Vince does such a good job that like. The desperation, the corniness, and the the one thing about Mr. McMahon is that he was so um, not self-aware. He was like clueless. I think that was one of the, my my favorite minutia about the Mr. McMahon character is that he didn't understand. Like Mr. McMahon, the character doesn't understand normal human beings. Yeah. Uh, just like probably actually it seems like mr mcmahon the real person is more like that <laughs> what's a burrito yeah, yeah yeah don't sneeze in front of me uh, yeah. but uh it's it seems as though he allowed a little bit of that out of touch uh, uh instinct to be in the mr mcmahon character because there's so many times when like when he was trying like when he was in the, in the other episode when he was trying to uh, motivate kurt angle and he's like do this for your country and all this stuff and then he was uh, he t- he made the Revolutionary War reference to uh, William Regal and all these things. Yeah. Um, Clueless Mr. McMahon is one of my favorites because he was like, he delivered with his cadence and with his like uh, t- posture and everything. It was, it was a good speech. Like it was yeah. good speaking. But it, he's just saying a bunch of bullshit. But except for when, the Peter Maivia thing, The Rock did a good job of like, the Rock's standing there, like, fucking bouncing on his feet the entire time. Like, I just want to get after these motherfuckers. But yeah. the one thing I didn't like is I don't like... I still don't like all these guys just being soldiers for Mr. McMahon. Like, especially The Rock. Like, I understand the other guys being soldiers for Mr. McMahon, but, like, The Rock, I feel like, should be above that. You know? Right. Yeah. And ultimately, like, Vince has screwed over everybody that's now on his team and he's like but i need you now you know uh and 
I thought that this went a little bit long. Like he was, this was a long promo from that's part of the bit though. But right. Um, I also would compare Vince to there's a season of Buffy, the vampire slayer where the bad guy is the mayor of the town. And he's so evil that he's almost jolly. Cause it's like, he doesn't need to be scary cause he knows how evil and powerful he is. So it's like, he doesn't have to like be intimidating. And that's sort of how I imagine Vince being. Yeah. And he's, he's just like, he's nervous and he's panicking. So he's like trying to whatever he can say (laughs) something that's going to make the difference here, you know? Yeah. Uh, And then is stone cold going to join the WWF team? Vince uh, disregards that. Says that that's other, that's other bullshit. And then we get our promo package for the main event and they show angle joining the Alliance. Um, Jericho and the rock have a personal issue uh, between them. The rock is now the WCW champion again. So I presume he beat Jericho uh, in between the pay-per-views undertaker wants the WWF team to stop all the fussing and the fighting, you know, Uh, it's it's, it's something bigger, bigger than you. And they're trying really hard to make this story make sense. And in the video package, like we talked about, same thing with WrestleMania last weekend in video package form, they could sell you almost anything because they have exciting highlights and the, the production is really good and they can put a song underneath it and it like gets you hyped up for stuff. But as we have watched through the invasion none of this makes any sense at all it's because it's 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 the nwo yeah it's just like oh man he joined the other side now (laughs) yeah you know like i i didn't i i just i was when i saw that kurt angle turned i'm like god damn it man like if this would have went any longer the rock would have turned like and they would have just put all the everybody and then the the big show would have been the leader of the WWF, and Vince is like, "Oh right. shit, I overcorrected. <laughs> I gave them everybody." Uh, so our main event is the Big Show, Kane, the Undertaker, Chris Jericho, and the Rock on Team WWF taking on Rob Van Dam, Shane McMahon, Booker T, Kurt Angle, and Steve Austin of Team Alliance. And Andrew, I know you love long multi-man matches. So what were your? Oh, you were gonna tell me what you thought the main event was gonna ha- what was gonna happen before t- we reviewed it. I'll tell you after. Okay. Uh, but so, what do you think about a forty-four minute, fifty-six second main event, Andrew? Yeah, man. You know, I just absolutely love it when there's more than two people in the ring, especially when there's more than four people. God damn it, I love it so much. You just—it's just nonstop action. There's definitely not a bunch of people just laying there hurt, like watching the match because they have nothing to do. Uh, it's it's just always always good. There's never any ref bumps. There's never any stalling. Um, just straightforward, streamlined, goddamn American professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, this is what it was gonna be. This is just gonna be a clusterfuck of. You know, uh, uh, every once in a while, Stone Cold gets in the ring, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, well, but I, what I'll tell you is <laughs> the the Alliance, at least the Alliance, it's the Alliance is Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and Shane McMahon. Mm-hmm. Everybody but Shane's a great wrestler in that, and Shane's the best in the world. So right. it's he's like. Above, he's above the others. Yeah, but like. Yeah. Booker T had had his moments like uh, Rob Van Dam's Rob Van Dam like these are good wrestlers so like this is almost an optimal 
187 person tag match but it's still not good because it's too many people for a wrestling match and it's too long dusty yeah uh it's almost like um like vignettes you know or like in yeah. a sketch comedy show because you'd get like Oh, here's the Crispin. Here's the Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam portion of this match. Yeah. That's like two minutes, and then they tag out. And then, um, I thought the early part of this match is stolen by Shane. Just every time an Alliance guy's getting pinned, Shane jumps in the ring to break up the pin. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, go ahead. And he won't tag in, so he's just every single time, and he's like a gnat flying around the Undertaker's head, just bugging the shit out of him. Yeah, he just. He flies in, he pops up, he puts his hands up like he's not doing anything, even though he just disrupted a tag and he backs out of the ring. Uh, that's my, that's, that's one of the, and I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear like one of the wrestling purist talking heads, what they feel about that mechanic of breaking up a pin, because it's always like, and the Dudleys, the Dudleys might be the worst offenders of it. They do it all the time. If, you're pinning somebody and that person's teammate flies into the ring and touches you. Like they tag you. You have to let go of the pin. Like there's never been a situation that I've seen. I'm sure it's happened before in wrestling because there's good wrestling minds out there where a guy's pinning another guy. Somebody comes in, tries that like, like hits you or like slaps you as they run in and you just hold the fucking pin and still win the match. Well, it has to be three, three uninterrupted seconds. So, uh, I, I imagine is what they think because it doesn't make sense that you could just break it up that way. But that's I think the logic that they use. Well, is... un- uninterrupted means that, and I'm 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 explaining this to the people who believe that not you. Un- un- uninterrupted, I believe, means that the shoulders are on the f- the ground for three un- uninterrupted seconds. It doesn't mean nothing else happens. Like if somebody goes, "Hey," you don't have to let go. Like if somebody interrupts, <laughs> right. you know what I mean. So. uh that's always a weird thing to me. I I feel like they should at least, and if it, I mean, there are some times when you're there a little late and you can't make it look good and you just have to tap and it's going to ruin the match otherwise. And I completely get that. But like, yeah. um, the Shane things were just, he was going in as soon as he touches the guy that he's like, all right, I'll let him go. No problem. Yeah. Sorry, Shane. Uh, so they, um, one of the uh, cool parts of this match I thought was big show comes in and he gets to dominate for a second. And then all the heels, hit their finishes on the big show, like in a row. So Kurt Angle hits him with the sl- with the Olympic slam and then tags Booker T who hits the scissor kick. And then he tags Van Dam and Van Dam hits the frog splash. And then they tag Shane and Shane hits the elbow. And uh, they, that's how they get rid of the big show. Yeah. And Shane, Shane gets the pin un- uninterrupted. So like yep. the, the, the uh, WWF team with the, the biggest stakes in the history of wrestling they let Shane piss ant Shane McMahon interrupt like yeah. four tag four pins. I mean, and, uh, he pins their biggest, one of the most dangerous guys on their team. Nothing. They're just, Oh man, that sucks. Just watching from the outside. Well, they probably figured they had a better shot without the big show on their team. <laughs> like just cause he's big doesn't mean he's good. You know? he's, a, he's so bad yeah. that he doesn't even like there's, <laughs> How, He's a net how, negative, you know. Yeah, like they have I, don't, to, I don't understand that because, like, it, it, does he is he so bad that he gives the other team more energy? Is that what it is? Well, you know, like in uh, basketball, they'll have the stats where it's like, yeah, the guy is on the floor, 
but when he's on the floor for some reason the team's <laughs> the team's scoring potential goes down yeah. like he like for whatever reason you know well it's, uh, i think it's a, I, I think in wrestling it would be a momentum thing i think yeah. wrestling such a momentum heavy sport that if you go in and you give them a bunch of momentum and they're bouncing and they're hitting their finishers and they're, the crowd's going wild and we got Booker T spinarooning and all that shit, you're like, listen, you're giving you're giving them the heat, right? Yeah, it's uh, well, and if he falls down, it's very hard for him to get back up, and so that's a <laughs> it's like it's an a, advantage for the heels. Bob Euchre, the the legendary baseball announcer, uh, yeah, he, he was a. Uh, He's in Major League. If anybody's seen Major League, he's the announcer in Major League. Just a bit outside. He's really funny in that movie. But uh, he's a Major League player, and he wasn't very good. Uh, his his Hall of Fame speech is hilarious. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, I still wish I would have got in as a player. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but one of his lines in the in the speech is like, he remembers a, a couple times being in the dugout and. Uh, they're up by they're up by ten runs and uh, they got a they got a late bus ride home and an early flight in the morning and his coach uh, motions over to him and hands him a bat and goes, Euchre, get in here and stop this rally." <laughs> <laughs> He's the cooler. Of yeah, the, that's yeah. that's the big show. Uh, also, Bob Euchre famously choked by Andre the Giant makes a hilarious face at WrestleMania four. Is he in so. the WWE Hall of Fame? He might be actually. He should be know. if he's not. He's fucking hilarious. If you ever anybody out there, watch Artie Lang and Norm McDonald's Bob Euchre stories on Howard Stern. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. It's you. It's. I mean, there's probably only one video, but it's hilarious. It's a really funny video. Uh, but anyway, uh, now I have a so I have a Sophie's Choice question for you, Andrew. Yeah. Are you familiar with Sophie's Choice? Uh, no. That's like she has two kids, and one of them she has to send away, and one she gets to keep. Otherwise, she doesn't get to keep either of them. Oh, okay, like, the uglier one. Yeah, uh, that's easy. When the Rock, when the Rock and Shane McMahon are in the ring against each other, who's getting Andrew's uh, fandom in that situation? Oh God, I think Rock's I think, the great one. I think I would defer to context. Who? Okay. Who who fights for the storyline that I want to win in this scenario? You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, you can't pick your baby out of, out of those two babies. These are identical twins. Um, right. They're the two best wrestlers of all time. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, you got to go to what you what you want to happen. And in this scenario, listen, I want the WWF to exist above WCW. I'm sure. on the record. I, I, I'm not a fan of WCW. But I know that's going to happen. Yeah. So I really didn't care who, did, <laughs> who killed it in this one. I kind of, I probably would have rooted, I was probably rooting for The Rock because uh, I had a cool idea for a finish uh, involving The Rock. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really care. Okay. Um, they do the same thing to Shane that got done to the big show where uh, Shane finally gets his comeuppance and he gets chokeslammed by Kane and then tombstoned by The Undertaker and then the lion salt is hit by Jericho to eliminate Shane. I understand why they didn't keep Shane till the end. That should be the end of the match. It should be Shane somehow survives to the end and then the WWF dudes 
hit their finish on him and beat him. Like, cause he's, he's the face of the WCW or whatever, but I understand why they didn't do it that way. Cause it's an elimination match and they got a, the 44 minutes to fill. And all yeah. That. And they wanted to so, swerve. Right. So, um, ultimately Van Dam eliminates Kane. Uh, the undertaker gets eliminated by angle. And so the Alliance has a four to two advantage, uh, at one point in this match. Cause they really want to sell to you the idea that WWF might lose. So it's yeah. down to Chris Jericho and the rock. Those two guys, they're not getting along, you know? Yeah. They don't, so. they definitely do not like each other. I've yeah. heard sometimes it's tough with coworkers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then Booker T and angle miscommunicate and the rock rolls up Booker T for the pin uh, even though Booker T's shoulder was clearly off the mat. But oh, like it couldn't be more off the mat. <laughs> couldn't even be more off the mat. Yeah. Uh, and then Jericho hits his face buster uh, breakdown finish move to Van Dam to eliminate him. So now it's two to two. It's Austin and Angle versus The Rock and Jericho. And this is where this match actually gets really good. If it's a When it gets to the tag team match portion, then you've got a real match. Yeah, and I think that uh, most of if not all of when Jericho and the rock were the two left, uh, it, this really got a lot more intriguing and fast paced. Yeah. Um, then the rock, uh, belly to belly suplexes angle and then angle taps to the sharpshooter. So now it's two on one, uh, Jericho and rock versus Austin. Uh, and then Austin gets a roll up out of nowhere to pin Jericho. So now of course, we're down to the rock and Austin. Cause that's what you want. Yeah. Always rock and Austin. If you can have it. Uh, and then Jericho hits the breakdown on the rock, which is very stupid because if WWF loses, Chris Jericho loses his job. So I don't understand. Uh, that's how much he heat. hates him, man. He's caught in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Um, Jim Ross tells Paul Heyman to kiss his ass, which is like where where they're really yelling at each other at the oh, end. Yeah. He's like, He's... I I hate you. I I truly have not enjoyed a single moment in your presence. <laughs> like he's just going hard at each other. Yeah, which is good. It's good work. Yeah. Um, your boy Nick Patrick comes out, attacks Earl Hebner. Was there even for a second a thought in your brain that the WCW might win based on this move? No. Uh, okay. Well, no. I Well, I thought the WCW might win for a split second when Jericho uh, uh, comes back. Okay. Uh, yeah. But because, because they're to the point where no matter what happens, it's stupid. And I'll get to that. But, yeah, um, yeah so keep going. Uh, so then, oh, the rocket hit a stunner on Austin, and then while Earl Hebner's knocked out, Austin hits a rock bottom on the rock, and that gets a near fall. And Austin gets so upset he punches Nick Patrick. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and then uh, the end of this match is the rock hits a stunner again, or no, a stunner to the rock, but there's no referee because Earl Hebner had gotten back up and gotten bumped again. Uh, and then Angle returns and hits Austin with the title belt into a rock bottom for the win in 44 minutes and 56 seconds. And this got four and a half stars. Um, there's a sign in the front row that says front row vir- or first row virgins. Did you see that? Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, of course, Stephanie 
is kind of upset at this turn of events backstage. She's a normal uh, person now. Yeah. Uh, and then, so the WWF, oh, JR, the WWF wins and the Alliance dies. Uh, yeah. And then he's like telling Heyman that he's unemployed again. And he's like, hit the bricks. And Heyman's selling of that is tremendous. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going, he's going hard at him. Uh, and then Vince comes out on the ramp at the end, and he's so proud of himself, and he just raises his hands <laughs> dramatically in the air uh, yeah. as the winner. My question to you, Andrew, mm-hmm. is Kurt Angle, was he always a double agent? Or did he decide at the end that he wanted to screw over Steve Austin? Do they ever address it? I like the I'm, raw. I'm going to look right now. So we'll see. But um, what is what? Because if he was always a double agent, that's a very stupid plan. Because what if, based on your ability to help the Alliance, they won this match? Because he wrestles the whole match against the WWE guys, eliminating them, helping yeah. them get eliminated. He eliminated uh, Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, who's a guy you would figure you'd want to be in there. Listen, it's a long con. I, f- I feel like he was struggling with it because he didn't trust Austin to be the leader of it. And uh, I think, I don't know though. I, I, I might just be basing it off of that one line. Uh, uh, maybe I should be the leader, but do you want to hear what I thought was going to happen? Yes. would love to. Uh, Kurt Angle turns <laughs> on the, uh, on the Alliance. It helps the WWE. <laughs> And uh, the WWE win. Um, okay. I uh, I nailed it, but I didn't like. I, I I gotta admit, I didn't lock it in. I I wasn't like this is definitely what I think happens. It's like I'm having a really fucking hard time trying to figure out what's gonna happen here. I if I had to pick, it would be Kurt Angle turns. Um, yeah. and then number two was the second idea if the Kurt Angle thing doesn't happen Nick Patrick uh is the referee for the match and uh he turns on the alliance and uh does does them dirty for the WWE cuz I feel like Nick Patrick he's a sleaze ball character and it seems like he's the type of character that is just loyal to whoever he thinks is going to he could be the type right. of character who's just loyal to whoever he thinks is going to win um, so I could have seen that being the case because they really, really have pushed the Nick Patrick is the biased referee angle. Yeah. I mean, even on the show they did. So that was my second idea. Uh, my idea for what I would have done if everything else is the same, um, the rock angle, Austin are in the ring at the end. Um, yeah. those are the last three people left. The rock staring at angle and Austin, uh, Angle and Austin uh, um, are so. Who was it that tried to get in with a? Was it Booker T? Tried to get into the ring with a chair earlier. Yes. So you leave that chair in the corner um, while they're wrestling. The Rock and Austin are. I mean, the Rock and Angle are going after it. Austin slides into the ring, picks up the chair, smokes the Rock in the forehead with it. Uh, turns, smokes Kurt Angle in the forehead with it. Throws it down in between them, slides out the bottom of the of the uh, of the ring and starts to walk up the ramp. Stops at the looks, kind of looking at the crowd, 
because uh, the crowd will be like booing him or whatever because uh, and then uh, kind of like gives a all right look and he turns around uh, takes the rock's hand places it on Kurt Angle slides back under and leaves and uh, and uh, um, Vince is waiting for him at the top. And Vince is like shocked. Like you, you can't have Vince be like stoked that it happened. You have to have Vince right. be shocked because you don't want it, people to think that Austin was in on it the whole time. So Vince is like shocked. Like what the fuck? Why do you? And then uh, of course Austin fucking stunners Vince and flips him off and and yeah. leaves. And you reset. You reset the Stone Cold Steve Austin character, <laughs> and you paint it the way that you should have painted it, where he doesn't care who he's alle- or, uh, he has no allegiance. He just cares about himself. Yeah, um, that's much better. I would it's say. much better. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, we'll get to the aftermath and then the other stuff that we got. What did you think of Survivor Series? The tagline should have been at least it's over. Yeah. There's like, I was stoked for I was stoked for the D, the Dudleys and the Hardys in a cage. Like they still. That's the thing. They have a, a almost generational roster. Um if you take the two or three good things that they got from the ECW WCW thing and get rid of all the fluff, like do not inflate your roster. I really, I like the idea. Like I like, I like the fact nowadays that WWE in 2022 pays so many wrestlers, right? It's good that those many people, that many people get to make a living wrestling. I always understand when they release people. Like there are a couple that I'm like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? But like sure. they, you can have too many people, especially in a purely scripted medium. Yeah. Like, uh, like in, like in, in the UFC, you have to do X amount of shows and it's, and it's merit based. So you want to, you're buying up talent, stuff like that. But even the UFC has, have an inflated roster and they have to cut people all the time. Like I understand, but you can't, just accept all these people into your into your into your uh, promotion and expect it to maintain the same amount of um, consistency. With that said, the roster on this particular show is pretty good. I mean, you've got I mean even the dark match was a six man tag: Just Incredible, Lance Storm, and Raven versus Albert, Scotty Too Hotty, and Spike. Du- Scotty Too Hotty du- lost again on the on the. <laughs> Yeah. On the uh is that Sunday Night Heat? Yeah. He lost on Sunday Night Heat again. I didn't even notice that. He lost on Sunday Night Heat and got his ass whooped in the hallway during the during the show. God damn, he's on a he's on a fucking cold streak. Uh No no respect for for Scott with too hot with. I know. You can't do that for Scott hot, you know? Uh So and then you get into the the actual um meat of everything and it's like all right, I'm not the biggest Billy Gunn guy. I don't really like Tess that much, but he was a star at the time. Al Snow uh, is probably the like the least like regularly over person on this card, and he's Al Snow. Like he's fun, you know what I mean? Um, it's like this is still a strong roster. So there's there's things happening here that I enjoyed, but overall, it's like I don't care about any of this. I I just want this to be over. Yeah. I think this show has like for historic merit, the main event is obviously um, something that's interesting. It is long. It is good. 
um, in segments, but the cage match is cool. Um, but there's nothing that you would need to see. And for the historic end of WCW as a brand, you would hope that there would be a more high watermark for it to end on something that like is must see. Um, but I just think the invasion is like, they, they just could never get it together. And there's a lot of reasons why. You but, can get flair for one night. Well, interesting that you say that because the next night on Raw, uh, Vince announces that the WCW title held by The Rock is now unbranded and is simply the World Championship. Um, many of the Alliance members get to keep their jobs. Everybody who has a title, so Christian, the Dudley Boys, Rob Van Dam, and Test all get to keep their jobs. Stacy Keebler gets to keep her job because she is the valet for the Dudleys. Um, and then they fire Paul Heyman. He's the first Alliance member fired and he <laughs> freaks out on, uh, Jim Ross. And then, uh, Jerry Lawler returns. They had worked out a deal to bring Lawler back. Oh, okay. Um, and then they have William Regal join Vince McMahon's kiss my ass club so that he can keep his job. What's um, his kiss my ass club? Vince, Pulls down his pants and you have to kiss Vince's ass. <laughs> so, so exactly like it sounds, you know. Oh, that's good. I like it. Um, this says on the Wikipedia, based on his actions at the end of the WWF versus Alliance match, for the majority of Raw, Kurt Angle went around the backstage area portraying himself as the man who saved the WWF uh, and wanted to be praised for doing so. Instead, he drew the ire of several stars, including The Rock who defeated him later that night. Um, so it doesn't, so that means that he didn't have a plan or like he was, or he was working on his own. If he was a double agent, he's the only guy who knew. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not that he didn't have a plan. Maybe his plan was, I'll be the hero. Like we'll, we'll, we'll be a company yeah. tomorrow and I'll be the guy who saved the company, you know? Yeah. Uh, because I, th- I, th- I think the idea of Kurt Angle walking around like touting and nobody like not getting the, ju- the, not getting the, credit that he deserves um is funny what about booker t uh booker t's gone for now he's gone yeah wow Um, i wonder if he's is he on contract and they just made him go for storyline or is he gone gone no no they everybody that most everybody that was featured on the shows comes back um well i'll look up the the next pay-per-view and we'll see who's around um and well, that's, think, and that also sucks because that also means that there was absolutely no stakes to the match. Well, uh, what happens is Vince, as a reward, Vince is the one who believes Angle, and he's like, "You're right, you do deserve a, a reward." So he's going to strip uh, the WWF title from Steve Austin, and he's going to give it to Kurt Angle. But he's interrupted by Ric Flair, who bought Shane and Stephanie's stake in the WWF. Brian Greasy. So, yeah. So now he is co-owners of the WWF with Vince. Is um, that is that fun at all? It's okay. They have a pretty fun match at the Royal Rumble uh in January. And but it doesn't really like go anywhere. It, mo- it mostly dissolves into Flair becoming a like a wrestler for you WWE. Couldn't, you couldn't get Flair before that to help I, this goddamn invasion. Maybe Flair watched the first couple episodes. He's like, I can't do that shit, son. Like yeah. I'm I'm goddamn Ric Flair. I'm not gonna have anything to do with that horse shit. Uh, so yeah, I, I got the next pay per view. Uh, 
Oh, listen, they they they're they're making some headway. Uh, Scotty Too Hotty not on Sunday Night Heat the next okay. month. Uh, the APA defeats Billy and Chuck, which is Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. Is that what that is? Yep. Um, look at me. Um, Scotty Too Hotty and Albert defeat Christian and Test. Nice. God, so you they're... have so you have Test win the battle royal. <laughs> To lose to to Scott Too Hot and yeah. and Albert at the next pay per view. <laughs> uh, Edge defeats William Regal for the Intercontinental Championship. Jeff Hardy defeated Matt Hardy, so they they, they broke, broke him up. up for a minute. Um, the Dudley Boys uh, defeated Big Show and Kane in the Who Gives a Fuck Tag Team Championship. Um. Big Show and Kane, God damn it! You gotta have one like, yeah, guy who can move a little bit on a ta- You know what I mean? Um, the Undertaker defeated Rob Van Dam for the Hardcore Championship. Uh, Trish Stratus defeated Miss Jackie for the WWF Women's Championship. Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Kurt Angle for the WWF Championship. Chris Jericho defeated The Rock for the WCW World Championship. And Chris Jericho defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin to unify the titles and become the undisputed WWF championship. Yep. Uh, Due to outside interference from Booker T. I think this was when I started watching wrestling. That's probably a pretty good. Because uh, I started watching wrestling when they, when they, they had, they created the undisputed title, like, Right when I started wrestling, watching wrestling, so it might have been around maybe Survivor Series okay. that I started wrestling, or that I started watching wrestling, or a little. It might have been right at Survivor Series, or a little bit before that. That's crazy. So the the invasion angle was the beginning of my wrestling fandom. This is what <laughs> well, hooked end, me. The end of the invasion is the beginning of your. Uh, yeah, fandom. pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think. Uh, Vince and Ric Flair are co-champions. Austin is reset, uh, becoming a face, uh, a, a baby face. And then Chris Jericho wins the undisputed title and has a not great run with it, uh, losing it to Triple H at WrestleMania 18 when Triple H returns from his quad injury. So quad injuries, right? <laughs> Wasn't it both of them? No, this is only one. Vince tore both. <laughs> Vince, all right. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you want to hear what I would do? Yeah. Okay. Given the same exact circumstances, I would have announced uh Shane bought WCW. They do the match at WrestleMania against Vince. When King of the Ring comes around, they announce that Shane has negotiated with the WWF commissioner, William Regal, to allow four WCW wrestlers to be in the King of the Ring. So it's a split field. Um, And this is the first introduction of these WCW guys. Would have done Diamond Dallas Page, Lance Storm, Booker T, um, and uh, Mystery Person. Okay. Uh, At King of the Ring... Uh, the mystery person turns out to be Rob Van Dam, who was not part of WCW, but has signed an agreement with Shane McMahon. So that's our first interpromotional thing. Um, I still have Edge win the King of the Ring, but maybe he beats uh, Rob Van Dam or Booker T or one of those guys to get it. Mm-hmm. But then 
they announce that there's been a working agreement between WCW and the WWF. And occasionally there are uh, like WCW guys wrestling on the WWF show, but it's not an invasion. They're there uh, because Shane is working out a deal with William Regal. So that leads to, uh, and so more WCW guys show up, more of the ECW guys show up. The same exact roster of guys end up being where they're at. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we end up at Survivor Series. And this whole time, Diamond Dallas Page has been saying, look, I worked for WCW. I don't want, I, I know Shane brought me over. That's great. I want to work for Vince because I've never worked for Vince. And I want to be his guy. Mm-hmm. And so they do a Survivor Series team where it's the WW or it's the ECW WCW guys because Shane's like I want to just fairly competition. Let's see who the best is. I'll bring my four guys. You get your four guys. Uh, and one of the WWF guys gets hurt beforehand. And Diamond Dallas Page, the WWF guys haven't been trusting him, but he seems like a cool dude. They're like, he's like, please let me be on the team. I want to be on the team. They have him join the WWF team. He costs the WWF team at the end. He turns Diamond Cuts Stone Cold, the Alliance, or not the Alliance, but the Shane's team wins. And the next night, Shane announces, it's all been a ruse. It was never friendly competition. Of course I want to try to kill the WWF because I secretly hate my dad, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I've been working William Regal this whole time with the help of the man who's the general manager of WCW, Eric Bischoff. He's my one ad. So he comes out and he's like, I worked all these contracts. You've got a rube running your fucking commissionership. Now we have five spots in the Royal Rumble because we want to be, we want to steal Vince's title and that's how we're going to take over WWF. And then the Royal Rumble, Diamond Dallas Page ends up winning the Royal Rumble. And then you do your main event, whatever you want it to be. Steve Austin versus Diamond Dallas Page, who's the head of WCW for the world title at the WrestleMania. But the whole time, you've been getting wins for the WCW guys. And then you do the interpromotional thing at WrestleMania. And that's the big blow off to that. I can tell you why I think this is better. Okay. A lot better. One very one a lot of reasons, but one very simple reason. Sure. It doesn't really kick off till Survivor Series. Like Right. It it's there, but it doesn't kick off until Survivor Series. And then you can accelerate it towards WrestleMania. You don't kick it off in what was it, July or no, yeah. before that. It was or even before that, I think. Um and try to stretch it to WrestleMania. So, yeah, I think you're already up at that point. Um, this makes a lot more sense. There's a lot There's a lot more um, heat to it, especially with Paige, like, being involved. And then I, I just think I think it's all the way better. I, th- I think, and I, and I think you could probably come up with, you know, if, you, if I gave you an hour, you could probably come up with six ideas that were better than what they did. <laughs> well, I'm saying you can make it any guy you want. Page is just the guy I thought of because, like you said, it's either him or Booker T who's the biggest star. And I think uh, Page pulls off the sports entertainment thing 
better at this point than Booker T does. Yeah, and Paige um, has been and Paige course, was like I'd, an OG fighting against the NWO and all that shit. You know what I mean? Right. And I'd put fucking Van Dam there, but that's because I love Van Dam. But you have, you know, then you have Van Dam, and uh, oh, I was gonna say in between you have like Lance Storm wins the Intercontinental Title, but it's still just. It's not friendly competition, but it's like, well, we're seeing who's who's better, but it's not yeah. an invasion. Yeah. Uh, it's an open challenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a couple of the WCW slash ECW guys win some titles. So then Vince can't just be like, well, fuck you guys. You're gone. And Shane, then once they do the turn at Survivor Series and Bischoff's in charge, now he has leverage as to so that he can negotiate with Vince. You know, and... Then you could do a whole other storyline with William Regal getting fired from the commissionership and he's out on his ass and him and Tajiri are like uh, trying to trying to do magic tricks on the on street corners to make money because they don't have any like anything they can do. You know, yeah, they're, he, they're doing the Joe Dirt jobs at the carnival with the with the ring toss. Right. Because he's he ended up he trusted Shane and then Shane ended up screwing him over, you know, like and it's not perfect. I'm sure there are many things, but like I think inherently like you said, if you would, you have to shorten the gap. And I think getting people familiar with the WCW guys, getting them some good wins where it's not immediately an Alliance versus WWF thing, uh, cause uh, will help. And then you flip the switch and then you have like, and then maybe not all the WCW Alliance guys are down with it. You know, guys who feel like they got screwed by Bischoff like, well, I don't want to be on this. I don't want to be on that team. Like, I'm trying to do my own thing. You know, yeah, and, and, and that Vince... way you don't have everybody. Uh, that way you don't have everybody that's an old WCW guy branded as being a heel with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, you can do a. You know, Vince is like, if you if you ever if you want to join, just cross the line, just come on down and you and you and you get a spot. But you have to, yeah. you know. Uh, you have to pledge allegiance. You know yeah, what I mean? Kiss my ass club. <laughs> well, it's kind of <laughs> like uh, when BJ Penn and um, who was it that he, 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 uh, Jens Pulver is BJ Penn and Jens Pulver were in the ultimate fighter. They were the mm-hmm. coaches and BJ, the first, the first episode was like, before they did the draft was like, raise your hand if you want to be on my team. And like almost all the guys raised their hand. <laughs> So like Vince could just be like, you know, if you, it, it's time to choose sides if if you want to, but I can tell you what, if you're over there, when we beat you, you're gone. Yeah. I, I just, I think it's way better. Yeah. So that was my, uh, you know, give it, give it an hour's worth of thought idea for it. So, um, that concludes our alliance. Uh, how could you bumble up? the the easiest storyline in history um and so now it's a big week for pop culture andrew big week for andrew pop culture oh i I like it when it's big week for andrew pop culture number one movie this week andrew is a movie that i know you've seen fucking expectum patronus dude harry potter and the sorcerer's stone the very first one expectum patronus i love that yeah (laughs) Uh, uh you wouldn't have summoned one. Uh <laughs> that was a great movie, man. It's a fucking good movie. Yeah. Um I remember at the time 
people being like, I don't know if this Harry Potter thing is going to go. This will tell whether or not. And it had, this is its opening weekend. It had a $90 million opening weekend. Fucking yeah, it was, it was gangbusters, dog. It was yeah. gangbusters. And it was like, because they did a really good job of capturing the magical world, like reading the books, you were like whisked away to a different yeah. world. And the aesthetic and of the movies and... CGI had just gotten to the point where a lot of it was good. Like most of it was good. There, there's a couple of things like uh, flying on the broomsticks. Like you watch it now and it looks kind of funny, but uh, everything else looked pretty good. And like yeah. it was the just a tree looks cool. Yeah, like, it was just the cool. the. I remember uh, how much the um, when the staircases were changing by the yeah. uh, that everybody loved that too. Like it was it was it was just a good movie, man. Well, and they had the the benefit of like I think I don't think Harry Potter really hit until what was it the second book the second or third book like it was popular but it wasn't super popular and so by the time they were making the movies I think they were on like the fourth book and so people had like a whole build up a ramp up to it and then if you liked the movie and hadn't seen or hadn't read the books then suddenly you can read the books yeah you know, so like all played well together people weren't waiting for the next. Uh, for like part two to come out, they could already make the Chamber of Secrets movie. You know, um, it costs a hundred and twenty-five million dollars to make. It has made one point zero one eight billion dollars. That's B. That's a Billy baby. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, it might be um, my favorite billion-dollar movie. I think. I mean, some of the other Harry Potter's probably cracked a billion. That's probably true. I'd have to I'd have to look at that. Well, then I can probably say pretty confidently that a Harry Potter movie is my favorite billion dollar movie. Um, it had like it broke all kinds of records. It broke the highest uh, weekend debut of all time at that point, uh, which was a seventy two point one million. So it fucking crushed that. Uh, God damn. Yeah, which was for the Lost World, the Jurassic Park uh, record, and everything else. Like way uh, in second place, Monsters Inc. is number two this week, and it made twenty two million. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> suck it, Monsters but, Inc. Yeah, it's in uh, its second weekend too, which not boding well for them. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say I know. So I know you've seen Harry Potter. I know you haven't seen Monsters Inc. because you ruined our chance yeah. at a perfect top ten yeah. one time. Uh, there's. Ooh, I think there's two other movies here you might have seen. Um, number three is Shallow Hal, which I know you've seen. Yeah, big underwear. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, domestic disturbance with Val with uh John Travolta <laughs> and Vince Vaughn, I think, is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, the poster for this is pretty legendary. It's uh, there's a dis- there's a disturbance, Andrew. <laughs> oh Jesus. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've seen this. Someone got 3D'd, and so they <laughs> had to <laughs> call the police. Uh, <laughs> you, you 3D'd my fly girl. Yeah. <laughs> Number five is Heist, which I don't think is a movie you've seen with uh, Gene Hackman. It's uh, written by a famous playwright, David Mamet. I can tell you one thing. My What's dad's that? for sure seen Heist. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has 100% seen heist uh no i haven't seen heist but but he's seen it because it was on tbs so 
he didn't go see it, you know. Oh no. Come on. You think my dad's gonna pay to watch a movie? <laughs> yeah. Um David Mamet wrote Going Gary Glenn Ross, which I know is a movie and a play that you enjoy. That is so. a great movie, yes. I haven't yeah. seen the play. Uh co- coffees for closers, you assholes. Grass <laughs> uh, balls. <laughs> so then uh the one starring Jet Li. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you Said a couple of weeks ago, you've never watched a kung fu movie, so I've never can't imagine it. you. I, uh, I haven't seen a single kung fu movie. Yeah, uh, the one is there's a whole bunch of Jet Li's through multi many multiverses, and you have to. It's like Highlander. You have to kill all the other Jet Li's to become the most powerful Jet Li. Oh shit! The girl from Son in Laws in it. <laughs> uh oh, really? The the uh, dot the the girl. The nice the nice one, right? That's Not Tiffany Amber Thiessen. No, not Tiffany Amber Thiessen. The nice one. Uh, okay, here's the other movie I think you might have seen, uh, starring criminal Kevin Spacey, uh, K Pax. Is that the one? Is that the one where he uh, thinks he's he an alien, eats a lot of bananas, straight up takes a bite of a banana without peeling it? Yep. I haven't seen it. Okay, cool. Uh, have you seen? I, the... see... I saw that. <laughs> I saw him take a bite of a banana like that. In a, yeah. I remember specifically where I was when I saw that. I was in Hollywood yeah. Video in town. It was on the TV in there. Um, the reason I've seen that. The Wash. Becca has... is her name in Son in Law, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, major grindage, dude. Yeah. Uh, Middle America. Uh, the Wash. I think that has Snoop Dogg in it. I think it's a remake. Oh, it's a car wash movie. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen that. Um, Life as a House, I know you haven't seen. Life and thir- as a House? <laughs> yeah. It's a what? drama that won it's, it's some about, Academy Awards. It's about a house that just stares off into the... God damn it, I wish... <laughs> I wish I could walk. I wish I had some legs. I just gotta just stand here, man. People people having sex inside me. <laughs> what if I want to have sex inside people, man? <laughs> That sounds like the horror movie. <laughs> life, life is a house. Life is a house. I once heard life is a highway. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, you know, sometimes. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> ride it all night long? Sure. I I, I live a life in the fast lane. Oh, very nice. Um, Make me lose my mind. Then, Hayden Christensen in Life Is a House. Yeah, I didn't know he was Hayden in another movie. Uh, he's in a movie called Shattered Glass about a uh, New York Times writer who made up a bunch of stories based on a true story. That's a good movie. He's good okay. in that. Um, and then 13 Ghosts, which I think you might have seen only because it could have been on someone on at someone's house when you were a teenager. I don't, I don't think you sought out 13 Ghosts. but It sounds familiar. I remember existing. No, I was. Oh, Shannon Elizabeth, hi. Um, I don't think I saw it. All right. Um, it's a bad week for the movies for you, except uh, Harry Potter. You were just all in on, on that. So. Oh, yeah. I was walking around my house going, fuck the Dursleys. <laughs> um, all right. Our number one album this week has three singles on it, and I know is an album that you uh, rock pretty hard for. So... The number three single is Cry. I like songs named Cry. Number two is Butterflies. 
oh is this uh oh <laughs> this is fucking michael jackson it is it is invincible the yeah. michael jackson album <laughs> that if you one? hold on uh rock my world rock my world is number yeah. one yeah uh which if you'll go back intrepid listener andrew once said is the best michael jackson album yeah you talked me out of that one i had um, momentum i was i was i was in a i was in a fervor uh yeah it's um, still a very good album but it's not yeah it doesn't beat thriller track for yeah. track it doesn't beat thriller um it went platinum two times i did some research off the wall went platinum nine times God damn bad it. Went platinum 11 times. Do you want to guess how many times Thrillers went platinum? 16. You're going to want to double that. 32, my man. 34 times platinum. Holy shit. Uh, Yeah, well, and this is is why when when we were talking about Invincible, this is probably why I ride extra hard Uh for Invincible because it's perpetually slept on. Sure. You know what I mean? Only two times platinum? It could be the best... It might be the best '90s Michael Jackson album. I don't know because I'm 2001. I'm, or I'm sorry. Well, then it's certainly the best 2000 Michael Jackson album. Uh, it could be. Is it possibly the best album since, uh, since Bad? Bad I, has. I, I just can't stop loving you. Bad. The way you make me feel. Man in the mirror. Dirty Diana. Another part of Fuck. me. Smooth, smooth criminal, <laughs> leave me alone, and uh, Liberian girl, dude. His as singles, just singles. His Jesus Christ, that hurt. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I'm like, maybe it is, maybe it's better than bad. Even, and then you start to, I'm like, what was yeah. on bad? Um, off the wall has won't stop till you get enough. Rock with you. Off the wall, she's out of my life, and girlfriend as the singles. It's got and working I, day and night, which is a great song on it. Um, now I well, people will disagree with me, but I've got I've got Invincible over Off the Wall. Sorry, what was that? I will put Invincible over Off the Wall. Okay. Uh, I don't know, man. Don't stop till you get enough. I know that's and, one song. And off the wall, both good. Um, I and rock quickly, with you. I mean, it's a great album. Yeah, I just want to once again quickly run down um, the singles off of Thriller, okay. an album you once said. So Got a couple good ones. Invincible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the girl is mine. Billy Jean, beat it. Want to be starting something? Human nature. Pyt. Thriller. You know it's fine <laughs> there's there's ones i think there's one song off of that album that didn't get released as a single i think it's got eight songs i think there are seven singles what's the one that's not released as a symbol no there's nine songs the lady in my life and the girl is mine with paul mccartney which is also very good <laughs> yeah well the girl is mine is a single oh i didn't know I, you listed that one my bad yeah baby be mine did you list that one uh no, baby be mine That's is not. Okay. This is also a fucking great baby be mine. <laughs> so, uh, but this is a big week for you. For me, the big week would have been the week before when an album was released that had 
Hold on, I've got to find it. God damn it, where is it? Was, uh... It's got three singles on it. And I know that I took a screenshot of it. Um... All right, let's kill on the radio. You know, oh, here we go. Number three, I miss you. Oh. Yeah, Okay. right? Number two, who we be. Wait, <laughs> go ahead, keep going. Number one, we ride here. <laughs> who is this? It's fucking DMX, dude. I thought it was, fuck, I didn't want to <laughs> guess wrong. <laughs> God damn you it. didn't want it to be Ja Rule. I didn't want, dude, I, I've, I have PTSD with that, bro. Yeah. I got uh, PTSD MX, dude, because. Fuck this... <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to fight me? Fight these tears. <laughs> uh, the the lawnmower sitting right next to the tree. That's not the best DMX album. Uh, still pretty good. It only went platinum one time, unfortunately, which is uh, undervalued for the Great Depression. Just slept on. Still pretty good, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was X, is my favorite DMX album. Uh, some people might take uh, "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot," but uh, and then there was X is the one for me that has uh, "One More Road to Cross," "Rough Riders Anthem," or no, it has "One More Road to Cross." What's my name? And uh, party up. God damn, and, what's my name is a banger. I I uh I gotta delve more into his discography. I really do. You can borrow my vinyl edition of and then there was X if you want. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to do it. Good good note myself. I bought that and Death Cab for Cuties Transatlanticism the same day. I'm a man of varied tastes. That you you truly performed a unique act. <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy at the at the record store was like, uh, "Did you find everything you were looking for?" Very clearly, I did. Just buying um, random stuff, are we? <laughs> just whatever records you can get. Let me guess. Uh, the DMX albums for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now that we're done with the invasion and by extension, two thousand one for the most part. Uh, I looked up the top 10 albums of 2001. Uh, pretty good year, man. Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Of course, is the number one album of the year. Uh, number two is Hot Shot, the Shacky album. <laughs> yeah. uh, closer to his peeps, you know. Uh, Celebrity, the NSYNC album is number three. Uh, Day Without Rain by Enya is number four, which I believe is pumped up uh, as a post 9-11 album. Uh, she had some song on there that people found very cathartic that I am unfamiliar with, but good for Enya. She lives in like a Scottish castle somewhere. So I'm down with that. It's called Ode uh, to Towers. <laughs> uh, number five is Break the Cycle by Stained. It'd been a while since we'd brought them up. Uh, <laughs> number six... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> songs in a minor the alicia keys album all of those that i mentioned sold over four million copies the music industry is wild back then uh survivor the destiny's child album sold 3.7 million copies good enough for number seven 
Weathered, the Creed album, uh, sold 3.5 million. That's number eight. Number nine, I know, personal favorite for both of us, the soundtrack to Oh Brother Where Art Thou that I still listen to. Big Rock Candy Mountain and shit? Yeah, dude. Uh, You'll never change your socks. <laughs> I don't know what he says. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the jailhouse now. That's also That's, good. Yeah. Uh, Playing stars t- and shooting <laughs> dice. <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson, man. He belongs oh, in. He's in the Snart Mark Hall of Fame celebrity oh, wing. Dude, 100% lifetime pass to Tim Blake Nelson. Bill <laughs> yeah. Murray uh, <Mark> saved. <laughs> And then number 10 is Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 6. We're such a, we're so fucking lame. <laughs> Which sold 3.1 million copies. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, and then to finish it up, our number one song of the week is Family Affair by Mary J. Blige, which is a fucking banger-ass song. Yeah? Yeah. Listen, I'm, no, I'm not... No, no hateration here. I'm pretty much all all the way unfamiliar with Mary J. Blige, I'm ashamed to say. I mostly know this song. There's a really good cover of Family Affair by the Eagles of Death Metal, uh, which okay. I enjoy. Man. But uh, yeah, that does it for the pop culture section here. Uh, did you want to run down your Idell Wrestling Federation Hall of Fame inaugural class, or you want to hold oh, off on that? Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's... Let's open the next show with it. Okay. That sounds good to me. Get some pomp and uh, circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've determined uh, we want to take a break from this era, but there are some cool things that we could still talk about. I want to do the ECW Rise and Fall of ECW documentary that WWE produced in 2004. Uh it's about three hours, so it's about the same length as a pay-per-view, but it's just Paul Heyman and the Dudley Boys and Taz and everybody talking about ECW. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a very well-made documentary, and I think we would have a lot to talk about. Do they interview the Sandman? They do not interview the Sandman. He's they uninterviewable. Do, they do talk to the Sandman, or they, they talk about him. You got to talk about him. He's the, fucking, he's the main attraction. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks that they didn't get him to talk to him. I wonder why. Let's try to figure, find out why he wasn't interviewed. Okay, um, I have a guess. Was he? Uh, he was possibly in a rehabilitation center. I believe he was otherwise indisposed yeah. <laughs> at the time. Um, Fuck yeah, bro! The legend yeah. continues. So uh, I think that that'll be fun. That's on the network. Um, it's one of the best documentaries WWE ever produced. They get Vince as a talking head on it to <laughs> admit some of his shitty behavior as a promoter, which is also fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, I stomp their ass. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's quite good. So I think that's next week while we uh, circle the wagons and figure out what we want to do for our next uh, long form thing as andrew said anybody who listened to this thank you so much uh it's a bunch of fun nonsense uh that i enjoy doing every single week so thank you to everybody that listens and we'll be back next week because kayfabe may be dead but we're watching ecw the rise and fall because we are alive it works i think it yeah. works <laughs> <laughs>